Welcome to the Tarrys Community Church Podcast. Enjoy today's episode. So today, of course, is Father's Day. And just before we, we go into the message, I just want to really uh, acknowledge that it's not a great day for everyone. And uh, some of you here will probably be remembering fathers who are no longer with us. And there might be fathers here who are also remembering children who are no longer with us. And there might be others here who uh, had awful experiences with their fathers. And um, sadly, we can't change that. We can't do anything about that, but we can acknowledge that and uh, just really want to be sensitive to that. Now, the message here today is going to be for fathers, but not just biological fathers, because we're all called to be spiritual fathers, fathers as well, or spiritual mothers. And so the principles that we talk about, I'm sure, are going to be relevant. They'll come across uh, no matter whether you're a biological father or not, um, because we can all be spiritual mums and dads to, to the many people in our lives, in this room and outside of this room. So let's just pause for a second and I'm just going to pray. So Holy Father, I thank you and praise you that you are such an amazing God. And through your spirit, we just ask that you fall upon us here today. You saturate us with your presence and you speak to us. Uh, speak beyond the words that come from the front here. And, and just, just speak to us and, and speak into our, not only our mind, but also into our spirits as well. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, so who's the ultimate spiritual father? Who do you reckon? God. Is that a, is that a trick question or, or not? No, I think the, the ultimate spiritual father is God. Now, this beautiful passage in John 1, 12 and 13 says, Yet to all of those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave a right to become children of God. So each and every one of us can become one of God's kids, which I think is pretty special. Are children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And you know, there's a, a psalm, uh, Psalm 68 in verse five, 5 and 6, it says that God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows, um, is God in his holy dwelling, and he sets for lonely in families. And I think it's, that's just a beautiful picture, and you know, here we are as church, but Church is really the spiritual family as well. And uh, there are people from all different walks of life uh, that are in the room and people who wouldn't no normally wouldn't necessarily mix with each other except that God has put us together to relate with people uh, who aren't like us as well as with people who are like us. And I think that's beautiful. So, dads, I want you to realise that you have a great role model in how to be a great dad, and that's God. Don't be daunted by that. Don't be daunted by that at all. Um, then just to clarify another point, it, you aren't God. I want you to realise that. I want you to understand that. Uh, you aren't God. No matter what you, uh, you think or try to convince your kids, you really aren't God. But I can prove that to you. Um, prove that to you in describing God's attributes in, in just three simple words, for three omni-words. And so let's have a look at this. Uh, omnipotent. What does that mean? It means that God is, is all-powerful. Omniscient means that God is all-knowing. Omnipresent means that God is present everywhere. Now, here's the test. Here's how you can be absolutely certain that you're not God, in case any fathers here are under any form of illusion here. Ask your children. 
Just simply ask your children, I'm going to do that. Brenton, you're a child of Simon over there, a son of Simon's over there. Is Simon omnipotent? No, you had to think for a while there, didn't you? Is he omniscient? What's that? Is he all-knowing? No, he might pretend to be at times, but no. And is he omnipresent at times as a kid? You might have thought he was, but, uh, but no, he's not either. And just in case, just in case that dad's here, uh, for any of the dads, in case you've managed to pull the wool over your kid's eyes and they think you are these three things, there is a, a really, really harsher test that you can go uh, through. And that is ask your wife. And she'll soon set you free, uh, set you, yeah, set you free, set you straight about all of this. Now, dads, I just don't want you to feel defeated by today's message. Well, not yet, anyway. Now, we, we looked at the, um, the, the three attributes, and we know that none of us, none of us uh, can be like that. But yet God calls us to be like that, not in terms of his attributes, but in terms of his character. Um, we'll never have the attributes that God has but we can increasingly have the character uh, that is his and that he wants us to have. You see, the Apostle Paul gave us a list of characteristics in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 uh, that God wants us to have. And, and this list here, pardon me, I'm just, just getting over the flu, so... A little bit dodgy in my voice here today. This list... Um, it's called, what's it called? What, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Tell, someone tell me. The fruits of the Spirit. That's right. Now, just before I go on, have you ever had something that you've known for years and years and then all of a sudden you change your mind on it? Has, has that, that ever happened to anyone? A bit, piece of scripture where you know, you've taught about it over the years and then all of a sudden you look back and think, hey, I was wrong. No. Everyone else is perfect. Okay, I'll put up my hand here. Because I had a real aha moment in this scripture, and I think it's really important. And it's something that I want to share with you today. And I'm the only fool here in the room, obviously. You, you guys are all much smarter than me, obviously. You've just proved it by not putting up your hand here today. So let's unpack what it is. You see, many of you will be familiar with the fruit of the Spirit. And this passage out of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, 23, says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... Self-control, forbearance and patience, uh, same, same thing. However, quite a few commentators actually say that this isn't quite right. Who are they to question the word of God? Who, who are they to question? Well, let, let's have a look, see what they say. Um, one of the commentators says there is a clear textual inference that the fruit is singular. Uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, with the other virtues displaying aspects of of love. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, doesn't just put this on the same uh, page, really, as that great list of characteristics of love like that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it keeps no record of wrongs, and he goes on. And all of his terms that he actually uses are unpacking the different facets of love. Another commentator says, another way to punctuate this is love followed by a colon. It is thus possible to read the eight characteristics following love as defining love. Now, that was the aha moment for me as I came to realise that and came to understand that. 
And it started changing my understanding what this passage was saying. So, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, this makes sense, doesn't it? Because Jesus' new commandment in John 13, 34 and 35 is what? What, what does he say uh, in the new commandment that we're to do? Yeah, love one another. No, we're, we're to love like he does. Uh, that's, that's the essence of the, new, essence of the new commandment that he calls us. And see, the Holy Spirit has been given to us uh, to not only love like him, to be like him. So it's no wonder that the fruit of the Spirit truly is love. Simple when you, you, you think of it like this, isn't it? When we understand this, this passage morphs from being a list of things to be to a simple call to have character like Jesus. And again, this makes sense because in, in 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 8, um, there, there's this, this beautiful verse where it says that um, God is love. The essence of God's character is love. Now, I want you to think about the Apostle John when he actually wrote this in 1 John. You see, the Apostle John, when Jesus is on the, uh, on, on the earth, he had the privilege of spending those three years um, walking, talking, living, working with Jesus, ministering with Jesus. But John was the one who was particularly close to them. Um, John was there as just someone who was so incredibly close. And then after Jesus was crucified and the different apostles went on um, talking about and spreading the gospel about Jesus and, and the understanding of Jesus and eventually they were all martyred except for one who was John. And then towards the end of his life, he would have been in his 90s by the time he wrote this, he had a life to be able to reflect back on, to be able to look back on and to, uh, the, the understanding that he had of Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit that had come into him and onto him, the encounter with the risen Christ when he wrote the book of Revelations. John, as he was nearing the end of his life, had lived a life which was living out of the, the lifestyle and the commands and the love of Jesus. And he came to write First John. And he wrote that God is love. But also, in, this, in First John, he, he wrote something which I think is really, really important. It's not that the rest isn't important, but I've been really just mulling this over in recent time. And in chapter 3, verse 23, he, he says the, what the essence, to be, uh, essence is of being a Christian. And what he says here... He says, and this is his command, that this is Jesus' command, uh, to believe, oh, sorry, this is God's command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as, as he has commanded us. Friends, I'll put it to you, that is the essence of what it is to be a Christian, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus. The name of his Son, Jesus, is to be the name above all names when we come to, to truly believe and understand who Jesus is, it's life-changing because I cannot believe in him without making decisions about what I'm going to do with my life, what I'm going to, the role of the position I'm going to give to Jesus in my life. 
it is truly transformation if I really believe that Jesus is a son of God, came to this earth to suffer and die on the cross for me and he's resurrected to a new life and an eternal life and he's there in eternity waiting for me one day to walk into his presence in, into all of eternity. That, that is transformational. It will change not only how I live my life, it will change who I am on this earth. And then the second, the second part of what he says here is that we're to love like him. These are his commands. If you want to read it one step further, you have to look it up yourself, but it's in 1 John chapter 3, verses 23 and verse 24, unpacks it a little bit more, but you can do that as homework to un- understand that a little bit more yourself. Wow. So it's no wonder then that the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is love. Because it's what he's calling us to be. It's how he, he approached us and how he wants us to be, to demonstrate this love in our lives. So what does the fruit of the Spirit tell us about loving Jesus? Well, you know, we look at joy we look at joy. Many of you know that uh, my, my dear friend um, Chris Sunstra passed away on Wednesday night and uh, some of you know him from when he used to be part of the, the church here and I've, been, I've known Chris for 50 odd years and it's, um, so yeah, that was, it was sad seeing him pass but one of the very special things that we did six weeks ago, um, his partner, her name is Rachel, and he loved her very, very dearly. He reckons the best time of his life had been the last nine years that he'd spent with Rachel. And she loved him very dearly. And, and we came in, uh, we got together planning what his uh, funeral service, celebration service would look like. And by the way, that's two o'clock on Wednesday here uh, for those of you that want to come along. And God had nudged me with something. And so in, in that meeting with him, I said, Don't let me me presume what you should be doing, but I'm just wondering if you wanted to get married. And she broke down in tears. It turns out that they'd actually bought each other wedding rings, uh, but they thought that uh, they'd lost the opportunity to actually get married. And um, broke down in tears. We we married them shortly after. And um, the next day I was talking to Rachel and she said, she said, we knew it was going to be special getting married but we just didn't know how special it was. Um, and so that night, uh, that evening after they, they'd got married, she said both she and Chris were just absolutely blown away uh, by the magnitude of what they'd done and how special it actually was. It was a very, very special time. But I want to show you two photos. See, on the left-hand side, that's Chris. He just lost 10 kilograms that last month. And Rachel there, and the joy that was coming out of him, even though he was, he was staring death in the faith, was unbelievable. His faith had remained strong. He'd walked away from church. Um, he'd, um, you know, chosen some different pathways in life. But as I spent time with him over, over the last few months, his faith was a guiding light. And the work of God in his life is absolutely undisputable. (laughs) On the right there, you can hardly see, but Rachel was driving him away, and and it's too dark there to see, but he had a a, a mock horror on his face as he was being driven away after the wedding, Uh, joking away, joking away. His joy was contagious, absolutely contagious. Um, But also peace. 
you know, I saw his peace. Fed, um, death was staring him in the face. In the face. And um, his peace was absolutely incredible. Um, in fact, when I went out to, to meet with him, it was a week before the, the wedding, um, he talked to his wife-to-be, Rachel. Um, he didn't know his wife-to-be at that stage. And he, he said, Rachel, there's one thing I really, really would like for you to, to find after I'm gone, and that is to, to find a faith like I've got. And um, she... Um, she burst into tears and said, I want that. She didn't have any church background or anything. And, um, but she'd obviously been thinking deeply about it. And so I asked her a bit about it. And we ended up uh, seeing her come to faith that particular day. And then you could see the Holy Spirit fell upon her. And she had a sense of warmness and tingling sensation. And just a sense of incredible peace came into her life which is incredible. But you see, God wants us all to have this peace. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, um, which comes from love. He wants us to have this peace. He wants this peace to dwell within us richly, this peace to be absolutely transformational. And that's when inner peace is yet to be cultivated in your life. You're going to have three companions like chaos, anger, and anxiety. God doesn't want you that, want that for you. He wants the fruit of the Spirit to, to, to be shaping you so that, that peace is a place that you actually dwell in irrespective of circumstances. Peace is never dependent, true peace, spiritual peace, is never dependent on circumstances like with Chris here. Chris was preparing to, to, go, to go into eternity. He had a hard road in front of him in terms of her suffering, but he had this peace that wasn't dependent on circumstances. When we look to change our circumstances to actually find joy or peace, friends, there is something wrong because we're here talking about these characteristics being an inside job, not being dependent on circumstances. That's why Jesus could, to, could say in Hebrews 12 that, uh, that it was said about Jesus that he... Um, for the joy that was in front of him, he endured the cross. I mean, did Jesus want the cross? Did he want uh, to have to go to the cross and all the pain and the suffering? He knew it was going to happen. Did he want that? No. But it wasn't going to rob the joy from him. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is love, but the different facets of it are a deep, deep inside job in us that God wants to do in us. God doesn't want you to live in a way where we have a chaos or anger or anxiety in our lives. He wants to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life and patience. Well, full disclosure here, this is something I've had to grow in, uh, like all of the fruit of the Spirit, because um, I'm a driven person and I have been over my years a driven person. And um, it's like when I want something, I want it now. When, when someone is going to be doing something for me, I want it now. And I've actually had to temper that. And I think God has tempered that um, quite considerably over, over the years because he has built patience into me. I'm not saying I'm complete there, not at all, not with any of the fruit of the Spirit, but I know that I've changed so much in this particular area. You know, Instead of wanting things to be done my way, in my timing or else... I've had to learn to adopt the attitude of beginning with the end in mind. 
of actually looking at what the overall outcome of that I want is and realising that I can't control the time. I can't control certain things about it. And in fact, I shouldn't want to control certain things about it, but allow it to happen over time. Friends or fathers, I want you to, to understand this really clearly and carefully. There's one precious gift that God has given us, which is here to help us build patience into our lives. You might want to take a note of this. It's called children. Anyone who's had children knows, knows full well that uh, they are great patience builders in our lives. Kindness. Well, I've had to learn that my kindness does not depend on uh, how people respond to me. That's a big one, isn't it? Often we think, I can be kind to a person if they do the right things to me if they say the right things, if they are kind to me, then it deserves my kindness. Hey, the kindness of Jesus Christ is not something that um, any one of us deserves. And the kindness that comes out of the fruit of the spirit of love is likewise. You see, God causes, calls kindness to be an inner job that's actually done in us so that we become kind people who therefore express kindness. Now, I look at Jesus on the cross and uh, the soldiers who just tormented him and beat him and were crucifying him, killing him. And what does Jesus say to them? Father, forgive them? You've got to be joking. Oh, that's right, I've got to be kind. Um, <laughs> Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. Well, they knew what they were doing to an extent. They knew that they were killing him. They knew that if they were tormenting him. But it's because the fruit of the spirit of love was so enormous in Jesus' life that kindness was a natural response that would actually come out. Does that make sense? And by the way, I just want to qualify. Being kind doesn't mean that you can't be tough as well. A lot of it's tone. You know, see, we, we actually have the choice of what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. And so the tone of, of our life, if you like, is, will express kindness. So, I might be in a situation where I can just uh, say no to certain things and it's not because I want to be unkind, it's because I have boundaries in my life. And so we've got to be tough. But there's this, this tender but tough balance that we have in our lives. You know, just recently I've been deeply appalled and saddened by the number of Christian leaders that I've seen have fallen. Um, you know, you would have read about some in the, in the news, quite possibly. Sometimes it's been because of, of uh, they've fallen sexually. But often it's been because there's been bullying that's in the nature. And even the ones that have actually fallen sexually, uh, there's often still been bullying and power and control that's been underlying all of this. And um, I've got to say that in, in some of these people, I've, a few of these people I've known personally, um, one of the things that's often been missing is kindness in their lives. And I think when we, we aspire to celebrity status, we aspire to success by, based on the number of people that are in the room uh, and what people are saying about us and how they're idolising us, we're on really dangerous territory because we're actually starting to elevate ourselves into that God space of actually being like him, wanting to be like him, wanting to be perceived by him. But I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot and I think that the people who we respect, they need to show the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. 
Now, we need to see the evidence of the fruit there. I can think of one Christian leader who obviously I won't mention, <coughs> but I've, I, I know of some very, very unkind things that that person has said and done. Extremely unkind things. And I think, where's the fruit of the Spirit? We've got to be better like that. You and I have to be better than that. You and I have to be better than that. And it's not just Christian leaders, it's politicians, it's people in power and authority, uh, it's celebrities. I think the litmus test is um, if a person can be kind to little people out of the spotlight, it says a lot, it says an awful lot. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Sharon and I were in Adelaide um, for a couple of days and we, we went and visited a couple of people um, uh, there, Terry's nodding, he can see who, who it is. Um, this couple here have put aside, they've been through the, the ropes really, really big time. And um, Michael and Amanda have a couple in this, this photo here. Um, they've developed a, a place for the homeless and the Aboriginals around Port Adelaide. And for people who are doing it incredibly, incredibly tough. And their heart is just being poured out to people like this. Um, Michael used to be incredibly, incredibly famous. And then he became incredibly infamous. Uh, Michael Guglamucci is his name. And he had the song Healer, uh, which was one of the, on one of the Hillsong uh, worship albums. And he was very, very well known as an incredible, incredible performer. And then um, it hit the news about how he was living a life of a lie. And I won't go into all of it here now. And he was absolutely disgraced. But, you know, for him, he's actually had to remove himself from the, 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 the toxic, high-energy, high-acclaim environment that he was in to actually um, to go somewhere where he could be virtually a nobody but actually learn how to love. Not just how to receive people's love and adulation, but actually how to love. And the kindness that Michael and Amanda are actually showing to people that society writes off, I think is absolutely phenomenal. Goodness. It's all about the kind of life that you live, having high moral standards. Faithfulness. It's living according to your convictions. You know, this applies to our faith, but also it applies to a lot more than that. As a husband... You know, dad, dads, as fathers and husbands, uh, are you faithful to your wife? That's, that's the first question. And let's go beyond sex here. Um, let's go beyond sex. And what about in attending to your own wife before your own agenda? Are you big enough to do that? Are you small enough, perhaps, to do that? Making, making yourself smaller to be faithful, to serve and to love your wife and your family before your own agenda all the time? Are you able to do that? What about your kids? Do you make them fit around your work and your lifestyle? Or are you consistent in your attention to them? I know over the years when our kids were small, Sharon and I had a, a few little boundaries in place and every now and then we'd break some of them, but not, not often. Uh, the first is be home for tea as a family by six o'clock. So my workload could flow around that, but I'd be home at six o'clock except for when I was travelling when I was in Hobart or interstate, which was a fair bit. But if I was in Launceston, I was always home at 6 o'clock for dinner with Sharon and the kids. Um, between uh, both of us, we had a rule that 
uh, we wouldn't have more than three nights a week out. Why? Because we wanted to provide stability for our kids, but also for each other. That was really important for us. Family was, uh, Saturday was always to be a family day. No matter how much pressure we were on, Saturday was always to be a family day. And tell you the truth, I actually broke that uh, quite a bit because of sermon preparation, message preparation. That was back in the days I was doing 48 or 50 weeks, uh, mess- uh, Sundays a year in terms of the messages. And that was the only thing that would... Um, you know, get him away then. And another thing that we actually had as a, as a rock-solid boundary was church on Sunday. Uh, no matter how busy my life was, no matter how much is raging out there, how much people's demands are being put on me, no matter how much pressure I had, Sunday church is where you'd find us. It was a non-negotiable. You know, that's, that's faithfulness, isn't it? It's actually locking what's in important. Gentleness, well... To be honest, this is probably another area where I've had to grow in and learning not to be harsh. Um, you know, there's, there's a part of me, especially in my younger years, where I could easily just cut people off and, um, um, and just move on. But, you know, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's not loving like how Jesus would. And it's been a, a growth area for me, and I'm probably still growing in this area like all of these. And so in terms of gentleness and not being harsh... Of, um, and I think we all have to do this or should do this we, we need to learn how to listen first before speaking we need to learn how to watch our tone in what we say and how we say it and we need to have this is a big one this is a really big one have the grace to allow others to have the last say now there was a, a guy in another state recently where he um, um, it was emailing me and, and disagreeing on something. And I just responded once. Just once was enough. And I knew he'd then respond further, which he did. Cool, let it go through to the keeper. And probably the old me would have then um, just wanted to do another email response because I had to prove that I was right and he was wrong. But he wasn't going to listen. And I just let it go through to the keeper. Because if I had have responded again, he would have then responded back again. And, hey, guys, life's too short for something, some of these games that go on, aren't they? Life's too short. But that, again, it's, it's allowing the fruit of the Spirit to actually grow in us and shape us. And, Esther, do you want to come up wherever you are? There you go. And self-control. Self-control is the last of the attributes of love that are mentioned here. It's not letting my desires... Uh, and my wants master me. It means dying to, to these things so that you, you want the best for others, not just what you think is best. Having kids helped me here. You know, I couldn't believe how much freedom that I had before I had kids until after I'd had kids. You know, I think parents, you understand what it's like. You used to be able to pick and choose what you'd do on a Saturday afternoon or when you had discretionary time. But then all of a, all of a sudden you have, have little kids and you've got to base things around their sleep time or the feed time or whatever the case might be. Or perhaps your own tiredness comes, comes into play. And you realise that... Um, I realise that my independence had just been almost like put on the cross and sacrificed. It was gone. But as parents and as loving parents, that's how we should be. We should be there wanting to invest in our kids, wanting the best for our kids. That's what loving our kids actually is. 
And I think as we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, um, more and more and more, we just want the best for our kids, don't we? Don't we? Yeah, I think so. So dads and spiritual dads, today I, I've given you some insights into the kind of character that God has and that he wants each and every one of us to have. The bottom line is that he wants you to love like he does. That's the bottom line. And um, imagine the impact of your family, the impact on your family, should I say, your kids, your wife, um, if you demonstrated the love of Jesus in all that you said and did. Wow. <laughs> you wives are probably there going, yeah, I wish he would. <laughs> but can you just imagine that? If we love like Jesus, could you imagine how transformational that would be in our families and our workplaces and everywhere? I know some of you are probably very, very well on track in this. And probably some of you are, have got a long way to go on this. But that's what God, Jesus is calling us to be. And the good news is that this is not unachievable. That's the first bit of good news I want to give to you in finishing. That's why it's called the fruit of a what? But the spirit, it's not called the fruit of the self. It's actually called the fruit of the spirit because it's the fruit of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and your life. And the Holy Spirit just wants us to, uh, to cooperate with him and not resist him. In finishing, the Apostle Paul goes on to say this. He said, says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I think what he's saying is that when we come to faith in Jesus, we put aside our will and our own desires to sink our lives with his will and desires. And just as, as Jesus died physically, we are to die spiritually to the things that are seeking to control us in this life. And the passage goes on and says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we, I think what he's saying here, we're to keep, on, keep in step with the Holy Spirit, cooperating with him, allowing him to shape us from the inside out, but that's not going to happen unless we're prepared to do that first bit first, which is surrender. It's surrendering to Jesus. It's surrendering to his will, not my will. His will, not my will. His desires, not my desires. It's surrendering to allow the life that I live to be the one that he plans and ordains and calls me to live, not the life that I think I must live. Then when we do that, keep in step with the Spirit. Like Carly was saying earlier, just, just keep soaking yourself in the Word of God. Keep, keep talking to God day, day in, day out, throughout the day. Pray, worship, mix with His people. And above all, want what He wants for your own life. And I think if we can do this, we'll walk in step with the Holy Spirit because he's going to shape our desires. More than that, he's going to shape us so that the fruit of love will come through in us just so powerfully. And those different facets that we, we looked at as we unpacked Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that's going to be our living reality on our lifelong journey 
as we're transformed bit by bit more into his glory, more into his likeness. So let's just finish and pray. And I, I just want you, as we're praying, to consider what decision you need to make today to take on board the fruit of the Spirit. And this isn't just for the dads here. But what you need to do to allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life afresh and to work beautifully and wonderfully and yet powerfully. Holy Father, I thank you and praise you that you are an amazing God. Lord, I lift my, my life up to you and say, take it. And for all of those here today, all of those who are in agreement, take their lives, put it on the altar as our sacrifice where you will take this life that we have and you'll breathe on it through your Holy Spirit and you'll breathe your love and your life into us and you'll grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives in a perhaps a new way, in a fresh way. And you'll see these these beautiful facets of the Holy Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit, shape and become the reality of our character in our lives. Lord, I want you to develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit more in my life and in the lives of the people who are in this room. Lord, help us keep in step with your Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed the message and that's had great impact on you. If you want prayer, would like to connect with us further, or you just have questions, we would love to chat. You can find us at www.tarescommunitychurch.com.au or you can find us on Facebook. Have a great week.